Musician Mindset is a conversation series that extracts the performance and preparation thought process from world-class musicians, leaving you with wisdom and exercises to level up your musical journey. Our guest today has performed in many established and well-known venues across the U.S., such as the Kodak Theater, the Belasco Theater, the Galaxy Theater, and many casinos in Las Vegas. Tina has performed in many musicals and has shared the stage alongside many Grammy, Emmy, and Oscar winners. Tina has appeared on the Fox and Telemundo alongside Jennifer Lopez and Mark Anthony in the Latino show Q Viva. I assume I'm pronouncing that correctly. Q Viva. And was the only talent from the U.S. picked to represent her country. Tina also can be seen in the CBS pilot, directed and created by Nigel and Simon Lithgow, titled In the Spotlight, featuring Ni Yo and Leanne Rimes, where Tina competed to beat out 30 singers from across the country, winning the show by audience and judges' vote. Her band currently plays inside of Disneyland and is working at festivals and events across Southern California. She's currently signed to Rough Town Records as a Sony artist. Her single is set to come out at the end of the year. Please welcome Tina Aldana. <laughs> Hi, Thank Tina. Thank you. Hi. That <laughs> was that was here. great. Thank, Thank you. you for reading it that way. It's that all downhill great. from here. <laughs> no, it's all good. I appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, Thank this is you. this is going to be a fun show. Thank you so for having me, Jason. For our listeners who don't know, uh, the three of us have played in a band um, on and off for the past couple of years. Um, currently called For Your Life. It's a Led Zeppelin tribute band. Mm -hmm. So I have had the great pleasure of uh, getting to work with Tina and the best voice I've ever worked with. I mean, amazing. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Um, So uh, I'm excited that you're here. I think it's going to be fun and people aren't going to get our inside jokes, but uh, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) We do get the giggles. Let's just (laughs) put that out there. But there will be a lot of value to come out of it. So let's let's rewind. We'll go all the way back to the beginning. And can you tell the audience about the very first time that you performed? Okay. Um, The first time, okay, the first time I performed... In front of an audience? Sure. Okay. Well, I was in second grade, and I remember it was a really – I actually have it on on tape, but um, I was in second grade, and I sang New York, New York for (laughs) our school production um, about, like, the 50 states of America. And I I remember I was, like, really excited to go on stage, and um, I had practiced this song like for months and it was an annual thing. So years before me, somebody had been picked to sing New York, New York before me, right? So I was really excited that I got picked to sing New York, New York. That was like the big song of the production. But before I went on stage, um, my skirt tore and I was really upset because I really liked my outfit. And my mom was like, you're just going to have to wear pants. So she went home, got me some pants. And I, and it was like supposed to be a cute outfit. And it was supposed to be the skirt. I was like really excited to wear the skirt. So I remember last minute I put on these pants. And I go on stage. And you could see in my face I'm like so mad and just really sad. I'm like, New York, New York. <laughs> I'm just like really upset. And everyone's like, what's this girl's problem? Why is she all mad seeing up there? But 
I actually got like standing ovation from it. And I remember thinking throughout the performance, like, oh, I hate it. I hate it. I don't like this. Then at the end, everybody stood up and were clapping because I think, you know, they liked my voice at that age. Um, and that just like lit something in me afterwards. So I'm like, oh, it doesn't really matter what I wear. I think I have a good voice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, I, I think I realized there that I do have talent and it's not about what I'm wearing. It's not about how I'm looking. It's really just the talent that you have and how you impact people with your voice. So in that moment, you were able to let go of, let's just call it like the ego of like, you know, what you're wearing on yeah. stage and focus solely on music. Yeah. That, at that young, you recognize that. At that, yeah, at that age, I think I got an early lesson in that. Yeah. And I, yeah. Now, now, like being a pro, do you find any pressure of like well, about you know how you look on oh. stage or like how are you able to carry that over like singing is easy compared to everything else you have to do for me in mm -hmm. my in my career in my industry like being a female singer it's just it's more than having a good voice or you know being a great musician to me in my opinion i think that's the easy part the hard part is just everything else like all i call it like the fluffy stuff around it just like making sure that you can compete looks wise and making sure that you you know like look a certain way and act a certain way um and a lot of people expect that from female singers a lot mm -hmm. they need to like you know look a certain way be a certain way and it does like it's kind of draining on you you know but then you have to remember why you're in it and how much you love to do what you do so just enjoy every part of the journey. And even with that being the case, that there's a lot of pressure for the looks and yeah. the whatever. <clears throat> I think what you're saying, relating it to the first story, is that that's not where your confidence is going to ultimately exactly. come from. It's going to come from your inner musicality and knowing exactly. that you can do a good yeah. job. Yeah. yeah, and that's what it's really all about. It's just like, why am I on stage? It's because I love to sing. Yeah. You know, I love to like feel the music behind me. I just love to be in that zone. And I think you guys know, like being on stage, I just kind of like zone out a little bit, mm -hmm. go into, you know, especially if I know all the lyrics. <laughs> if it's just like something that comes naturally, I just kind of like go into the zone where nobody can touch me. I'm just like, I just want to perform. I'm like in the song, in the music, like in touch with the band around me and, it's like the best feeling in the world. And then you just don't remember what you're wearing. Like you don't care what you're wearing. You don't care what you look right. like. That's like the best feeling is just being in that zone. Can we dive right into what you just said about knowing the lyrics? Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like every time I talk to you, you are learning lyrics for like five different gigs at all yes, times. Yes, it and is And you exhausting. always have a lot on your plate and you're always learning new songs. And yeah. can you talk a little bit about what is your process for quickly memorizing things and keeping um, everything straight when you have multiple gigs you have to learn music for? Well, let's just be clear. I don't really always learn the lyrics <laughs> 100% to everything. But confidence is key. So you just go out there. Even if you mess up lyrics, you just do it with confidence and nobody will notice. I promise you. <laughs> um, but yeah, lyrics, especially if it's a well-known song and I don't know the song and... You know, I'll be like, I don't want to screw these lyrics up because people are going to give me that evil eye, Jason. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, Passion project. Yeah. <laughs> um, but lyrics are a really big part of what we do. And um, yeah, it's how do I learn lyrics? How do I? I think I just um, I like to know what I'm singing about and I like to read the lyrics first and understand what it's about. 
that way I can connect with it personally and then um uh, you know, that way if I do mess up a lyric, it'll be more like I can add another word in there because I know what it, what they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? Like if I say, right. uh, if, if the lyric says, um, the lyric says it's not going to be all fun and games and I don't know what they're talking about and I, re- I don't remember games. I mean, it's, it can, it's not going to be all fun and play. You know what I mean? Right. Instead of me saying it's not going to be all fun and and green i like some right. random word you, you connect the lyrics to like the message and story of yeah the song, so you so have you to have know like and then it also context. makes you deliver the song better right but um lyrics are probably like the thing that singers don't really like to to learn a lot <laughs> do you have tricks as far as like i learn the chorus first or i learn certain parts of a line or anything like I that. I like or? to start from the beginning. So I, I learn the verse first, go into the chorus. Gotcha. Chorus is the the simplest thing. Chorus is the most easy part of a song, in my opinion. So I like to start with the hard stuff first. So I'll try to learn the verses, um, get that in my head, keep it going. Yeah, I like I keep it on a loop, you know. Just keep singing, keep singing it, keep hearing it throughout the day, on the road, hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like to really read it. I like to hear it. Because if I do read it and I learn it that way on paper, I'm not going to perform it the way I should if I heard the singer singing it. Um, and the way that they perform the lyrics, I would rather you know, learn offhand how they're singing it and learn that way instead of just reading the lyrics and then messing up like how I pronounce it and, and how right. I deliver it. Like so. Q Viva. <laughs> like that. Right. See, I should have sent you a voice memo and been like, right. "Get viva!" <laughs> right. I should have just had you read it. Yeah, no, that's not my that's not my role here. I'm just you said something there about about um, listening to how the singer delivers the lyric. Yeah. Like, can can you go a little bit deeper on that? What what specifically are you listening to? Um, the way that they. I mean, just little things like the way they elongate a word or the way they put emphasis on a certain syllable. Um, it's that's kind of their thing but see this is for cover stuff so like a lot of my gigs 90% of my gigs are are cover gigs so this is really important to learn that um, the way that the singer in their the original singer of the song delivers that song or those lyrics you really have to do your part and just you know be respectful and deliver the song the way that they wanted to deliver it originally so um, like Zeppelin if we're gonna go into that I mean, you've taught me a lot about that, but like Zeppelin has a very quirky way of delivering each lyric and it's just like every lyric sounds a certain way. You can't just like read the lyrics from a paper on a Zeppelin song. You have to like really zone into Robert Plant and like know and hear everything that he does with each song because... I mean, it's their signature sound, and every singer has a signature sound. So, yeah, you can make it your own. You know, I like to make it my own, too, for every every song that I sing, every cover song. But um, at the end of the day, you have to do the song justice, so you have to really listen to what the original singer, how they perform it. I, think I, that- I always say that Robert Plant is the most um, instrumental, like, most instrumentalist type of approach as a vocalist yeah. of anyone I've ever heard in terms yeah. of the way he interacts with the band. It's been cool to watch the two of you develop that over time. Yeah. Like those certain sections where 
Yeah. You have to be, you You really can't learn just like the Robert Plant lick off the record. Exactly. It's more about, because yeah. he was just riffing that on the fly yeah. when he did it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it, uh-huh. you, you have to learn to interact and think almost as an instrumentalist to do that right. to me. Right, yeah. I think this is a good point for, um, for all instrumentalists uh, that uh, if you're doing a cover gig that you can't just oh this is a b chord you know or like oh i'm just here like yeah the song has a character about right. it right mm-hmm. so no matter what instrument you're playing you listen a little bit deeper mm-hmm. to figure out okay what's the unique quality right. about this and and mm-hmm. it's not just singing like every player has their mm-hmm. own thing that's gotten them to that that level so being a professional going that next uh, layer to 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 see okay not only what, what's the tone of the instrument but like what is the dynamic range like maybe i'm hitting this too hard here like but it should be a little softer so listening deeper um will get you more gigs and, and do you feel like oh, like totally. that kind of preparation for you has has enabled you to continue getting you know active gigs yes let me let me tell you guys something and this i don't know if this is i mean okay it's gonna be a a surprise to a lot of people but I was never trained really in singing um, I was I was given vocal lessons to know how to take care of my voice how to prep for a gig you know hydrate all that good stuff but as far as musically I never went to music school consistently I never grew up going to music school um, I went to school for theater I was gonna be an actress and um, what I did growing up was just go on stage and perform. And that's how I got better. That's how I got better in singing and performing is just doing it, going up there, making people feel things with how I perform on stage. And um, I think it's really important to be educated musically, but there needs to be a point where you have to realize that it's about the audience and how they feel. Um, And that is how you're going to get more gigs is people are going to remember how you made them feel with your voice or with your instrument they're not going to remember if you hit every note right on that paper what they're going to remember is your unique interpretation of your performance how unique you are and you know how they felt coming out of that show um and i've always kept that in mind every every gig i have you know you could be like classically trained for years but at the end of the at the end of the night you just have to to really like i said zone in and just make people feel something cuz that's what it's all about really that's what it's all, that's what music is and and people sometimes say like oh well you know i perform it's more about the music for me and i do it for myself but even you are your own audience you do it so right. you make yourself feel a certain way you know like oh i don't really like playing in front of an audience it's like but you are the audience like you are making yourself feel a certain way every time you you play or sing your favorite song in your room. It's just really that's what music is about. It's just impacting people that way. So singers that are listening to this that that haven't gone this path mm-hmm. uh, yet, can you give them some exercises to start connecting with the audience more and serving the audience more? Um, I think it really you you have to find your. Uh, your idols in music first, I think. Because I grew up listening to a lot of Motown. I grew up listening to Whitney Houston, like all the divas, no pun intended. I'm not a diva. <laughs> um, You're not a diva. <laughs> <laughs> he calls me diva all the time. <laughs> um, 
But like Whitney Houston, I grew up listening to her. I grew up listening to Aretha Franklin. I grew up listening to those singers that made people cry. The singers that made people like get goosebumps when they sing. Because if you turn on their records, it's almost like they're crying. Like sometimes I feel like the singers that I like are the singers that sound like they're crying when they sing, like Etta James. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, or Billie Holiday, it's just very like, it's just deep in their soul. And um, once you find that sweet spot, and you know what I'm talking about, singers out there, like, you, like it makes you cry when you hear them, that's where you have to try to channel that for yourself. But like, you have to try to find your own voice that can make people feel that way. But you gotta learn from the greats, I feel, you know? So you gotta, you gotta like keep hearing those records of other, Divas keep hearing those records of people that are well known for channeling that that soul. So you're kind of getting that in your subconscious, so when you yeah. perform, you can pull from that. Oh yeah, kind of like an actor. You're an actress, yeah, and you know? there are times. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like acting, but there are times where, um, especially in the early days of me gigging, I would be on stage for like talent shows or something, and I would think about a little bit of like Whitney Houston or like what would Whitney Houston do, or I would think like what would Aretha do in this time, just channel it and confidence. I know it sounds cliche, but confidence is key. Like fake it till you make it, but once you get that confidence, you can go on stage and just like get in that zone really quick and know that you're gonna blow everybody away. And when you know you're gonna blow everybody away, like it's the best feeling in the world. Like, like okay, I got this. Like y'all are my bitches. We're, we're, okay, all right. <laughs> I'm just we'll, kidding. We'll edit that out. We have children listening. Um, I'm just kidding. So you and I have worked together for something like 10 years, right? Something like that? Yeah, it's been Ish. like 11 years. 11 years. I remember the band that we used to be in, you were 19 when you joined yeah and you used to have to like lie about your age and sneak you into certain yeah. places and things like that but like casinos watching <laughs> you watching your growth over that span of 10 years do you think like would you recommend that's right to vocalists it seems to me that your job in in a cover gig to emulate so many different drastically different oh, yeah. styles of voices mm-hmm. that you're not only becoming a better vocalist but you're also learning nuance and interpretation and what makes all these people unique and Mm -hmm. so do you feel that like that experience has brought you to a place now where you can pull from all of that and have a unique voice and would you recommend that to people yeah if you hear my original music it sounds a little bit of everything really Mm -hmm. um i think that really shaped me and helped me as an original artist um being in so many cover bands right I started cover gigs when I was 14 and just no, like having to sing, learn country music, having to learn um, Spanish music, Latin music, what else? Like everything, yeah. every genre. Um, and then I, you know, would just like pick what I liked, what sounds I liked from each, each genre. And then I knew exactly what my strengths were. I knew what my weaknesses are. Um, I knew what I had to work on. And then as years went by, I'm like, you know what? I really like this funk sound. And I really like this, you know, Latin sound. Maybe if I create like a Latin funk thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Like it, yeah. it really did shape me to be the, the artist I am today or like original. Story. Totally. And I, I think the yeah. same is true for instrumentalists. You know, mm-hmm. people can have a tendency to look down on cover gigs like we've talked about this before. Yeah. 
But if you approach it with the right attitude, really, you're being called on to copy the parts of some yeah. of the greatest players of all time and yeah. not just even one style or one approach. Oh, if you're yeah. really if you're really willing to dive deep into that gig, you oh, can man. get so deep inside so many different players that are all great and all different. And if you take your job seriously to emulate that yeah. approach, mm -hmm. that's a really fast way to grow yourself as a musician. I do feel like cover gigs really shaped me yeah. a lot. Like I owe a lot to all those corporate bands, cover yeah. bands, because it really, like you saw the progress too. Yeah. It really, really does strengthen you in all areas, not only vocally, but performance wise and all that, because you know, you had to bring it every night yeah, exactly. or else you lost your job. So, yeah. and then you start understanding who you are as an artist and then um it was it's easier to like write songs after so many years of cover gigs because you know like the popular songs too right you know what worked back then right you know what worked in every decade really right. so did you feel uh or do you feel that doing such a wide array of music exposes you to what you're good at versus what you like so what, mm, what i mean is like yeah. like someone i'll just speak from a guitarist perspective a guitarist may begin playing guitar thinking they want to do metal music, right? Right, because mm -hmm. that's what they like. Yeah. But that's not what they're physically or just naturally good at. They might be an amazing funk player, but they wouldn't know that because they like metal and they only do metal. Do you feel right. uh, and have you experienced that doing cover gigs uh, and having to cover yeah. so much music yeah. has exposed you to that difference of, hey, I'm really good at this. I might not have thought I'd, I wanted to go in this genre, yeah. but I'm actually good at this. Um, I understand, I see what you're saying, but it's a little opposite for me, to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Like, if I'm um, good at something, I like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like when I am good at something, it's because I like it. You know what I mean? And then you can tell... I don't know if it's with every vocalist out there, but when I don't like a certain genre, I don't really perform it well. Um, I don't. That's just how I am. Like if if I don't like a song, I've never heard anybody say, "Oh, you killed that song, man!" man. I was like, "That's the best I've heard you." That's why uh, you always sound so good on "Call Me Maybe." <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's <laughs> why I don't sound good on that song. Honestly, like you that's did a good example. That, that's a great example, Dave. <laughs> I just remember "Call Me you hate Maybe" that song. <laughs> is not one of my favorite songs. I dreaded singing that song in a lot of like weddings and corporate gigs. And to me, I don't think I ever performed that song well at all. I was always off. I just never really had it in me. Um, so yes, it's a little opposite for me on that on that part. Like, uh, and I do think that if you're good at something, I think you like develop that. Like you develop your strengths more. To me, at least, like you just want to continue doing the things that that you're good at. And then you're like, oh, why do I? Why am I so good at this? It's because I really like this. Like, and it just you just emulate that when you perform. Like you know what you're good at because you know what you like. To me, at least. Um, but I understand what you're saying. So <laughs> I was just having a very similar conversation with uh, our mutual friend, Nick Petrillo, a couple nights ago about Nick! this exact thing where <laughs> we were saying how, isn't it interesting how we're all getting very similar gigs in the same vein and like, why does that happen and how does that happen? And his thing was kind of like, it, you eventually hone into what you're not only good at, but you also like. And so yeah. all the types of gigs that we're doing, that 
we wouldn't still be doing them if we didn't like them. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Because I've done gigs where I feel like we can all do a good job at a wide variety of things, but eventually you start finding your path of what you really like. Yeah. And then you do more of that, and then that causes you to do more of that because then you're meeting all the people in that scene and in that world, and then that leads to more gigs, and it all just kind of like goes down that same road, but it's all based on what you really like because otherwise you wouldn't be doing it to begin with. Exactly. So I have a few areas I want to I want to go to, but I want to stay on this topic for a second of uh, not performing well, right? So there's a song you you said I don't perform that well. Can you yeah. talk more about what does that mean? Not like I'm not performing that well. I mean, um, you, you mean you sing and you sound great, you know? So, <laughs> what, what what does that mean internally? See, that's but going back to what your original question about like being good at something that you don't really like. Mm-hmm. I think that's why people, um, like, if you're good at a lot of areas, which I'm sure, like, you both have have done this, like, you're good at a lot of things, really. Like, sometimes it's a natural-born thing, natural-born talent. But um, you can be good at everything that you pick up, and you can be good at everything that you play, and people will be like, oh, you're great at that, but they haven't seen what you really can do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if I did perform that song and it was good to people, Um, they probably haven't really experienced what my strength is. Um, So to me, I know what my strengths are, and I'm sure if I did perform a song that I feel like I didn't perform well, to me, I'm like, oh, I'm letting myself down, I'm not doing this well, I'm off, I'm not performing it right, and it's bad to me, but to everybody else and to the audience that hasn't seen me at my best it's probably good to them too. Well, and that's know? a great place to be because really what you're saying is your worst is still excellent. Well, no, and I mean, I don't want to... No, I, no, I'm, no, I'm saying But, but um, I think that's true. Your worst is still excellent, but you saying you don't perform it well is relative to what you know your best is. Yeah. But I yeah, think that's yeah. for, for all of us. You know I mean? You want your worst to still be really good. Exactly. But don't get me wrong. Like when I... There are performances, especially when you're not feeling it. And I think that's what it is that explains a bad performance to me is just not feeling it. Like, you, for me, you'll see it in my face. You'll see it in the way that I stand. Um, I'll just deliver the song and be like, when is this over? You know, I'm not doing this well. And then I, like, mentally, like, shut myself off. And to me, it's like I it's all mental to me, really. Mm-hmm. Like I'm either like really good or really bad. Like sometimes there's no in between for me because I, I do get I still to this day do get discouraged in the middle of a song. Like if I'm not doing it well, I'm like, you know, OK, this is what it is. Let's just do this. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> when you say, you know, you're it's either really high or really low and you get discouraged. But you still you, have you still, to like get exactly. through it. You still it. have to get through it. You, you still, still have to do, do it. You still so deliver it. When you, that's your internal state is that you're yeah. either really high or really low. Yeah. But when you're feeling that you're at the really low points, what do you do yeah. to be able to power through? And because yeah. even if you're feeling that, mm-hmm. you don't want anyone else to yeah. know that. And you still have to deliver the yeah, song. Yeah, you don't want anybody to know it. You so have to, you have to put to on get, your acting hat on, you know? Yeah. So just what do you like, do to get through that? Power through it. Like just smile and pretend that things happening you know (laughs) but inside like especially people who are perfectionists um they they can easily get discouraged like just tell yourself like 
you know, this isn't going well. But then what I like to do is look at the audience and see people's reactions. I always like to pick at least one person that's enjoying it. I'm like, oh, at least she's enjoying it. Let's do this. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, because... So it's taking yourself out of your head taking and it, focusing yeah. on something you, else. You can't be stuck in your head because, mm. you know, you'll just go crazy. You'll just yeah. go crazy. But but you just have to put on your acting game and just, just tell yourself that it's not as bad as what they think it is you know mm -hmm. the audience is perceiving it another way was that a process for you to, to understand that oh yeah 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 growing up like i would always sing the national anthem as a child and um i they, they would call me like the national anthem girl growing up in texas and to me that was the hardest song ever to sing um and i would do it like a cappella sometimes and i would do it with a track but every time i did sang the national anthem at like games or or any events, I mentally had to prepare myself because um, if I, I just didn't know how to sing it right until like a couple years later. But to everybody else, I knew that they loved it because every single time I got a great response from it. And I just remember thinking to myself, they're gonna clap for you at the end, Tina. So whatever it is that you think you're failing at right now in this song, just remember at the end, they're gonna like it, you know? Mm. So. Uh, it's just encouraging yourself that way and like seeing that lady over there smile and like okay you know what yeah they like it they're digging it don't be too hard on yourself because you got to get through the song and it was a process yeah um and i you get to the point where you're on stage so often that you become your worst critic because you want to become your worst critic like you're competing with yourself um and you guys know what, how that feels. Mm -hmm. Like, you know you're good at something. You're like, you know, I, I want to be um, not the best, but I just want to be good for myself. Like, I don't want to let myself down. And so it gets to the point where you're continuously on stage and you're like, you know what, I'm going to challenge myself today. Um, and then you do something during that gig where you're, like, doing it for yourself. Like, ha I'm going to challenge myself. Have you always thought like that, like, from when you started performing, or is that something um, that you discovered? I think recently, maybe over the past couple of years, I started challenging myself on stage more. And why? Because I think, I think like, like I said, like you just, you see the audience in front of you and in the beginning, it's more of like that, that rush that you have in the beginning when you're not really used to having an audience in front of you, you want to impact them and now it's gotten to the point where i want to impact them and myself like i'm doing it for myself as well so it kind of gets to that point i don't know if you guys understand what i'm saying i totally that. do because yeah. th because that has been a change in my performance in the past i'd say five six years yeah it's become more internally driven rather right. than like searching for some kind of external response okay. or yeah. you know trying to play good to uh, my journey it's like I want to feel as present as possible yeah. on every single note through this performance right. yeah, and enjoy the, the process of making music and that translates to a great performance. Um, but I, I just find it so interesting that, yeah. you know, like you're in this phase of like, like really pushing yourself like to continue yeah. to up your game. It, do, you, do you feel like it's it's content that you've been surrounding yourself with? Like, have, have you been reading things? Have you like the people you surround yourself with? Like, where does that mindset come from of, no, I can be a little bit better, you know, like, let me keep pushing. I think it comes with experience. I think it comes with, um, first of all, getting over your stage fright, because in the beginning, you just want to, like, please the audience, and you get this 
<clears throat> maybe like you still get nervous after a while but um you know with experience you go up on stage and then you realize that it's not you know just not now it's not just about the audience it's about like the band around you it's about you mm-hmm. and you start like being more present and you have the ability to be more present without getting off guard with like the the audience in front of you and i think for me um yeah surrounding myself with really talented people is always a good thing like you just want to push yourself more you want to prove to them that you belong there you want to um be in the zone with them have you ever been like at a gig where everybody is really good and you feel a little discouraged or out of place because everybody around you is just like on point with everything and then you might like discourage yourself and be like oh i don't belong here and you don't even really deliver 100 percent, just because you kind of psych yourself out that way you know um i think with experience you realize you do belong there and then you make sure that you show everybody around you that you do belong there and you Mm -hmm. push yourself you have that you need to have that confidence like i do belong here and i will prove to you why okay so You've brought up the word conference several times, yeah, and, and tied that's that, my thing. <laughs> and, and you, but you've tied that to um, the story that you tell yourself, you know, because yeah. like, confidence has been mixed with you saying to yourself, "No, I do belong here," or "No, I do sound good on this," or you know. So yeah. you're when, when um, anxiety creeps in right. or doubt creeps in, yeah. it sounds like you have a mechanism to battle that, like you have an internal voice battling your other internal voice, yeah. Uh, that's always happened or you've you've learned that and i I just think that's really important for people to to understand because there's nobody that's going to help you get over that but you right you know like like Mm -hmm. that's the internal thing nobody can see what you're thinking right um they can see your response to it right so how you are combating that um that anxiety i think is really important so let's just go down there for a second like someone's fresh out of music college and they get a um, they get an opportunity to audition for something, and I mean the musicianship is just way above their level. Yeah. What do they do in that situation <laughs> mentally? You know, like how what kind of steps can they take to put themselves in the in the uh, frame of mind of no, I do belong here. Like I'm going to give a hundred percent. Yeah, I like to fake it till I make it. To be honest, like I I like to, especially I mean growing up. That's really all I did, and now I'm a pro at it. It's really like, even if you're not 100% confident, I like to pretend that I am, and then it just comes naturally. But how? Like what? Um, you just kind of have to like put on that acting hat a little bit, you know? Like, like look in the mirror and just tell yourself like, okay, like I can do this, and even if I feel that I can't do it on stage, I'm gonna like trick them into thinking I can do it. And then it just makes the whole process better. I don't really have like a trick or anything that makes them more confident um, because I just feel like that comes with experience. And I think that you just have to remind yourself that you there will be times where you will fail or you will not perform your best, but that's a journey. And that's like part of the process of getting to where you want to be. So if anything, even when you do fail, you're succeeding because it's all a process so right there's the answer you know what i mean it's like someone goes into that situation going no matter what comes of this yeah i'm going to learn something and and as long as we have that mentality of you know what failure is part of the discovery process 
then oh, that that yeah. builds the confidence. Um, really but yeah. uh, you said you studied acting a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How much of those skills do you transfer over to uh, to singing and performing? No, that's yeah. You're right. Like confidence for me did come from a lot of theatrical stuff and being in front of an audience at an early age. Um, but yeah, I mean, I never really put those two together until now. I think you. Um, like when I say put on your acting hat, I think that does come from like my theater background. You just have to fake it till you make it like that. But um, if you haven't been in acting before or in theater, I just like encourage you to just at least like perform wherever you can. Like experience to me is key too. You just have to go out there and do it. Like just take as many gigs as you can even if they're like $50 gigs and you want to get that experience in because really confidence comes from experience in my mm-hmm. opinion like I said fake it till you make it but if you really want to be comfortable with yourself on stage you just have to go out there and do it take those gigs in the beginning don't turn any gig down really in the beginning because you want to build that confidence up on stage and you don't want to build it in front of the mirror in your room alone that's not how you're going to build confidence. Yeah, because it's not a real-world situation. Yeah. You know, you got to be out there and, and expect the unexpected. Exactly. And, and then yeah. be okay with the unexpected. Be okay with it and fail, yeah. too. Yeah, no, no On doubt. stage. That's, that's mm-hmm. always a good thing, believe me. Like, a lot of people get discouraged after fails on stage. But it's like, no, because now you know what you could do. And you... Sorry. <laughs> and now you know... And when you go on stage again, you won't make that mistake, hopefully, and you'll learn from it, and you'll just be the performer you want to be. Another thing that's helped me a lot, I had a teacher tell me years ago, he said, there's always going to be somebody better than you, and there's always going to be somebody worse than you. Yeah, and I love that. so if you can find your place in the continuum of music, you know, like, Mm -hmm. they're, like, these guys are better than me, but... I'm okay too. I belong here. I'm better than some people. Some yeah. people are better than me, you know, and not be yeah. so competitive about oh, it. Oh, and I, I love that. And I, I loved that growing, like coming here from Texas, I was considered like one of the best singers in Texas, or at least in my city, where it's a small city. But I came over here and I was like, oh my God, like everybody was so good. Mm-hmm. The singers, amazing. Everywhere I went, even like a jam. I went into an L.A. nightclub. I'm like, wait, she should be on American Idol. Like, she should be, you know. And it was like I was just shell-shocked because I was like, I don't understand how these people didn't how, haven't made it yet. And there's so many great singers. And I started psyching myself out when I first came here because I'm like, I was competing against all these talented people. Um, and I quickly learned you cannot do that. Like, you cannot – compete with everybody else compete with yourself and and learn how to do that and that's a process too because like in corporate gigs and all that you will be placed in front of singer you'll be with other singers on stage and Mm -hmm. you will really really feel like you're not the best there sometimes you know and you'll have to learn how to deal with that um and it goes back to confidence again i keep saying that but like even if you're stuck in a pool and they, you get put in a pool of like really super talented people, you just really have to show them that you belong there and then you perform better. And I think this is a nice segue uh, two parts. Um, so the confidence can come from preparation 
you know you had yeah. said your very first gig you know you had practiced a lot for it oh yeah, yeah. um can you talk about your your just overall prep for a gig whether it's your mm -hmm. own music or for a cover mm -hmm. gig yeah wh what that situation is and how that brings out the confidence yeah um being prepared to me is really really important um if i'm not prepared i won't feel um myself on stage so like lyrics we talked about that i think to me that's the main thing i love to have the lyrics down because it just makes me feel comfortable on stage. It makes me like, <laughs> why are you laughing? I'm just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> He's like, oh, then why do you need a music stand all the time? That's exactly what I was going to say. Is He's like, what about the gig we do together? Dave, <laughs> do you feel that bringing a music stand uh, yields confidence? Yeah. I do. Sometimes I need a music stand. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> I see like giggling. <laughs> My acting skills aren't that good. <laughs> Tried to hold it in. The, jo the joke for everyone listening: the joke is that Jason and I have the most gear to bring of anyone to the gig. <laughs> Tina literally has nothing, and she will inevitably text one of us the day of the gig. Hey, can you bring me a music stand? <laughs> oh my gosh! See, no, stop! Come on! <laughs> oh, oh my! my I knew I was going to be attacked here. I knew. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, we were saying earlier, um, it's our goal to make someone cry on the show. <laughs> Right. You did it. Gonna, you did it. Uh, you did uh, continue it. on, though. Sorry. <laughs> I can't. We'll edit that out. <laughs> Isn't this live streamed? <laughs> Nobody watches. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just, exactly. just the three of us. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, they tuned out after my introduction. Yeah. The well, seven people on. watching won't care. It's my defense. <laughs> you give us new songs like two days before. Right? Am I right? Yes. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Moving yeah. on. Back to your preparation, Back to my preparation. without the music stand. Let's I just know. assume you're at a gig that has music stands. <laughs> <laughs> um, preparing for a gig. Um, okay. I like to prepare for gigs um, and, like I said, hear the songs a lot. That's really how I do it. Like, work out with them, drive with them. Go to sleep. Oh, I do have a trick, actually. I do. I, I remember a trick. Mm -hmm. um, so if I have to learn a song and I have to memorize it, I hear it before I go to sleep. And then I sleep. And then right when I wake up, like first thing in the morning, I hear it again. And I go over it. Mm. And to me, I feel like I don't know the science behind that. But throughout the day, I will easily be able to remember that song more. So like You're before it, you like, go to sleep, in your brain yeah. You're sleeping. That makes sense. Before you go to yeah. sleep, and then right when you wake up, hear it again. Like first thing in the morning, before anything. Mm, I like that. No, that that's yeah. for sure a thing. Yeah. I, I uh, there's a science behind that. Yeah. Um, that if you. I what that is. Yeah, we'll, we'll put in the show notes a link or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just for retention, you know, like the, yeah. the, your brain absorbs it overnight, and then you you hit it again in the morning. Yeah. So are when when you're doing that is it mostly you're trying to absorb lyrics or both. the melody? Okay, everything. Yeah, both. Yeah, that that works well with lyrics too. And a mic stand, a music stand works well too. And what about what about like um, the half hour before you go on stage? What's your routine? Um well, I could probably listen to the song if I'm not too familiar with it or if I feel like I'm not prepared, but I think if it's 30 minutes before your show and you still don't know the song, then that's really not going to help you all that much. Um, so I want to be able to like go to the gigs and enjoy like arriving and talking to everybody and then going up there. But 30 minutes before, um, 
as a vocalist, I like to talk a lot because it kind of warms up my voice a little bit. Mm. So I will be a little social before gigs. Like, hey, how you doing? And just like trying to make conversation and try to warm up those vocal cords um, and just drink a lot of water. Um, maybe have like a cough drop somewhere just to keep it hydrated. And But there really is no technique really or like trick that I use. I just like to like mentally be in that zone so sometimes especially for the zeppelin gigs i feel um i do like to think of the first song that i'm going to perform if there's like a show or a long set like one set i like to think of the first song and the first note that i'm going to hit and make sure that i like am in the zone and channel that first note um because to me like first impressions are really important so if you hit that first note perfectly and with power and with confidence, then I think that it's kind of like smooth sail from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now branching off of um, preparation, let's talk about critique, how yeah. you critique yourself. And I, I'd like to keep this um, in the vein of your own music. Okay. So now that you're in production of your record, when you're listening back, mm -hmm. aside from the song and the production of the song, are you listening to your vocal performance <laughs> uh, from from a perspective of this is what I want to improve on or like well, like what are you listening to? Yeah, I am my own worst critic when it comes to vocals. So that's the first thing to me. I'm listening to the pitch. First of all, I hate to hear myself out of pitch on recordings. Um, and then the way that I deliver the lyrics, if somebody can't understand the lyric, I like to have a lot of people around me when I like hear my music back. If I say, do you know what I was saying there? Because if I feel like I didn't pronounce it right, I'll ask someone around me, like, do you know what I was saying there? They're like, yeah, yeah, you were saying this. Like, oh, okay, good. Just as long as you can hear that. Because sometimes when I'm recording, I like to get in the zone, like, and just feel what I'm singing. And sometimes words can be lost. So when it comes to, like, recording music, um, it's a little different from live music. So when I record it, I have to be conscious about how I'm delivering the lyrics, if I'm pronouncing the lyrics right, um, you know, pronouncing the T's and S's right and all that, and also feeling the song while I'm singing it. So it's a little, I like kind of nitpick a little more when I'm in the studio. Um, and then hearing the track back, um, I like to make sure that I'm in the pocket as far as like timing goes because I don't want the engineer to like hate me and have to like fix everything and you know go back and like work on it after I'm done. So um yeah, I am I get a little picky when it comes to hearing it back. How does a singer work on singing in the pocket? Um and for anybody not listening, what does that mean? Like how would you describe that? In the pocket just being else, anybody like, that doesn't understand what just that means. timing um like when you're singing especially with like soulful stuff i mean any song but when you get like too lost into a song you can go off and do your own things and then you'll lose the groove so i think of like the drummer hey dave <laughs> like i'm always like looking and always like i don't know if you like see me doing that a lot yeah, yeah. but i always like turn around to you and just yeah. kind of like tap with you a little bit because and you're really good about that too i feel like we're always very locked in so, there are a, lot yeah, of, a lot of vocalists are yeah. <laughs> really out to launch with that so, yeah, yeah yeah and i think it's important because um somebody told me a long time i forgot who told me but they told me 
that one of their tricks as a singer is even if they're not the best singer in the world, if they're on time and in the pocket, they sound better. And that's mm. what someone told me once. Mm. And I took that to heart. And I'm like, oh, you're right. I think people really, because if you can like, it's all about, you know, yeah. making people feel and having that groove and that little bounce too, especially with those songs that need to like, you can like yeah, dance gonna to be, it. If you're going to be out of pitch don't, yeah at least don't be out of time also uh-huh yeah, exactly yeah. and it makes the audience feel good yeah. but they can like oh this is a cool groove you yeah. know and the singer is adding to that yeah. and then it goes back to how the audience leaves feeling mm-hmm. and then they'll be like you're a great singer mm-hmm. you know because it made them feel good when right. they were singing it right. they were in the pocket they were in the groove yep. they added to the you know the soul of the of the song and the bounce to the song. Yeah, I would even yeah. say that the drums and the vocals are maybe the two primary things that people key in on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if those aren't together, even if someone can't put their finger on why it doesn't sound right, it won't sound right if that's not together. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I think a lot of singers think it's nowadays because they're competing with other singers. They like to go off on a lot of runs and riffs, right. like and they like lose. Um, that feel they lose the yeah. pocket and then a lot of times they get surprised when people will hire the other singer for gigs when they're maybe not as skilled as the other singer but they're more like in the pocket mm-hmm. and they feel the song more and they're on time and it just feels better to the audience well, I think drummers are in the same boat I mean we're in the age of the YouTube drummers and like people who don't really play with bands but have tons yeah. of chops and just yeah. put these shredding yeah. videos yeah, and people try to emulate that, but it's not always the right thing to do. I think yes. it's hardly ever the right thing to do because because yeah. it, it's oh. I mean music's about feel. I mean unless you can do it in time, like right. you can do these things right. from a musical perspective. You know, right. like like I I mean I've seen you play some incredible stuff, but it's never been for show. It's always been for this is what the music is yes. calling for. Right, that's exactly right. My thing is always yep. that it has to be that I'm hearing it that way in my head. Right. So like mm-hmm. if I'm playing cover stuff. I'm not hearing that going over that music. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. hearing the groove and kind of how the original record is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I have other outlets where I'm able to go off and do that stuff. You know, it doesn't need to be those gigs. And now he double yeah. books all the time. <laughs> he has so many gigs because that's what they're looking for. Really? Well, this is a good segue. I wanted to ask you about this. Now that you are in a position of leading your own band, uh, not only just yeah. drummers, but everybody. It's like um, a beast what, in itself. For people who are... <laughs> listening who would like to get a gig playing with a great vocalist you yeah know, what uh-huh. from your standpoint in your whole entire band <laughs> what are you looking for in the people that you hire yeah whether it's musical things or non-musical things like what do you look for yeah that's a really good question thank you <laughs> <You're welcome>. <laughs> <laughs> wow um no that's a really good question because <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question, but we we want we want to know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> because people ask me that a lot, especially musicians that don't get hired. Um, it's something that they always ask me, like, "What do I need to do for you to hire me?" Which is good, yeah. That it's people would take good. that oh, attitude yeah. and that they would feel yeah. comfortable with you to even ask you that. Yeah, because um, you know, I get called like different gigs. I have to put together different kinds of gigs, and there's not a lot of people that I can call that I know can do every genre. Like I call you for every genre. I know you can do Latin, you can do everything. Um, And there's other 
people, other musicians who can do every genre too. But it is very important to, especially for cover gigs, to know that you are in a band and that this is not a solo show, that you have to contribute to making the band sound you know, sound, uh, making the song sound like the song. Mm-hmm. Um, that is probably one of the, that's probably one of the biggest problems I have with musicians is that they want to compete against other musicians. And it's very, um, it's very clear to me when someone is not that experienced because they think that they'll get the singer's attention or other people's attention by doing extra fills right. or doing extra licks. Um, in every everything, it's a misunderstanding of what's going to impress somebody. Yeah, and yeah. and when especially and not even just cover gigs, original gigs, mm-hmm. anything sound like the record, sound like the record. Like that's probably something that we heard a lot, like in cover bands, just sound like the record, and that is really what you have to do to get work, um, because you have to blend, and and a lot of times musicians don't like that, they don't like to just blend. Yeah, you know, um, if you get a solo. Yeah, by all means, do your thing, right. you know? If I say, and if it's like a little open, a little jam, and I say, do your thing, you know? Do your thing and do whatever you want. But if you make the song sound like something else, then yeah. uh, you won't be getting a call back because that's that's what you have to do as a working well, musician. Well, and again, the, the band that you and I did for all those years, I think fell on the far end of the spectrum in terms of yeah. wanting it to sound exact. Yeah, that so was for, a little extreme. For me as the drummer, yeah. like it was very much in my mind always to notate the exact kick drum pattern, yeah. the exact tempo, all these things, all the details. Whereas I do think there are other cover gigs where it can be a little looser. Yeah. But it, but and then I think you felt that, especially gigging with me too, I'm a little looser. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I like to have things a little open at gigs, but I also like to sound like the song too. You don't want to But I think lost. the looseness that is on your gig only works when it's coming from a foundational starting point of having right. the fundamental of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always have to sound like the song. Yeah. And if it doesn't sound like the song, then, you know. So for someone listening who is looking for a gig like that, number one thing you're saying is be prepared and do your homework and know your parts coming in. Yeah, you really overplay. have to do your homework. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um and I, I, li- I like to always say, like, the rehearsal, is, you should be prepared for the rehearsal. The rehearsal is not something where that's where you learn the song. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's actually a big, a big turnoff for me yeah. as, like, the band leader is if, um, okay, everybody, rehearsal is this day. And then you get there and they're like, oh, okay, let me listen to the song what <laughs> i've i've right. experienced that too yeah. i've been yeah. I, like i remember when i when i first started doing hired gun gigs i'd go to these rehearsals and be fully prepped and people would literally be would ask the the the, the md all right so um how's the song go right yeah i'm like wait what and then they'll <laughs> say like oh this is rehearsal i'm like no 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 <laughs> this is for you to like for us to make sure by the end of this rehearsal that we are going to do the show just like we right. did. My friend Ron Seferdini is a great bass player in town. He says practicing at home is to learn your parts. Rehearsal is to learn other people's parts. Yeah. Yep. So that you yeah. know your own parts so you can hear what everyone else yeah. is doing and yeah. fear, feel 
how your thing fits into that. Exactly. Yeah. Rehearsal is not to learn your parts. Yeah. What so, about yeah. personality wise? Like, what are you looking for? for people? Yeah. No, that is that's a really big part too. I really think it's important to get along with your bandmates. Drama free zone. That's mm-hmm. really important, especially at gigs because. Um, for a lot of us, like it emulates on stage and you can see everyone's chemistry and it makes you sound better. Cause if mm-hmm. you don't have that chemistry with them off stage, you m- probably won't have the chemistry with them on stage. Sure. Yeah. So it's really important for me. And a lot of times there's, um, gigs that I have to like, make sure that everybody's okay with everybody on that, sh- on that gig. Like, Hey, so-and-so is going to be on this gig. Are you guys cool with each other? Oh, okay, good. Because that really does show on stage. And I've had that happen to me a lot where, um, and then it affects me too. Like guys, you know, get mm-hmm. it together, stop. Mm-hmm. And you know, like musicians they're sometimes they don't really take gigs seriously and, and they'll, um, they'll show it on stage. And I feel like, like drive is really important too. picking musicians. Like I'm never really going to hire a musician that thinks that they made it and they don't need the gig because it also shows on stage like if they feel like they don't need it like i'm doing you a favor tina i won't have them on the gig Mm -hmm. because it um because i know they won't be prepared either they'll they'll think that you know they can get away with anything um they think that they're just too experienced too successful for the gig and um so drive and hunger is important too when picking musicians personalities that's a good one and that comes with you know I, I talk it. about that with people all the time, how important it is to stay hungry yeah, and to come to every gig hungry. Totally. Yeah. And never feeling like you're above it. Yeah. You yeah. Know. And that's really, really important. That's definitely yeah. been a, th- a theme I've been running with the past like a week or so mm-hmm. for my own business uh, is, is just making sure that everybody is constantly pushing, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, and when we're in a fortunate situation here where, you know, we're doing really well and people will come up and be like, you know, like, you know, aren't you happy that, you know, that things are going like this right. and yeah, I'm happy. Like things are going good, but it could be better, you know? And, yeah. and I feel like, cause as, as soon as you start like loosening the grip a little bit, that's when somebody else comes in and, yeah. and can take it from you. Right. So, um, I, I think it's really important for people listening, uh, especially if you're just starting off in your career, that if you have early success, that doesn't mean that's a career success. Right. Yeah. You know, that means it's a momentary success. But like the right. the way that you become, um, you know, a perennial winner, uh, like long term winner, is that you are constantly, like you're saying, hungry. Like mm-hmm. continue pushing, continue mm-hmm. to improve, uh, and that translates as and you build a, rep- a reputation, right, of someone that right. is just yeah. going to get the job done. I mean, I, Dave, I totally think that's you know where where how your career has blossomed since I've known you, that has been your, your gig. It's Mm. like always improving, always Mm. like, or was talking about, you know, recording yourself and listening and critiquing and being professional and being prepared. That stuff goes a long way, you know? And um, I really hope people uh, listening adapt to that because it's the secret sauce, you know, it's being Mm -hmm. a good person and constantly improving. You can never think that any success has caused you to, that you've arrived and you've made it. And on the same token, you can never think that any failure is the end of you either. You know? Right, right. You can never, it's a Bill Clinton quote that I love, actually. He says, there are no final victories and no final defeats. Yeah. And that's, it, I've, I love that because whatever your success is, you could still fall and you could still improve. And if you've had a failure, you can still pick yourself back up and 
go at it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like you had said earlier, Tina. It's a journey, you know. And and mm-hmm. as a musician, it is a journey of like getting better as a musician, but getting better at your craft. And that just yeah. that doesn't mean only your instrument. It means you know how you interact with people, how you prep for a gig, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that that was that was cool. So, but let's uh, start to to get towards the end here. Um, people, we'll, we'll talk singers and then and then um, instrumentalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out of music college, just starting their career, what is a piece of advice you want to leave them with? Um, I would, I would give them advice to continue to l- learn how to love what you do because there will be a lot of setbacks, there will be a lot of failures, but enjoy, like enjoy what you do, and if you really love singing or you really love being on stage, whatever it is that you do. Um, just never lose that passion for it because once you do lose that passion or you get bitter because of the fails, then it'll just be downhill from there. You always have to keep positive, keep reminding yourself that you got this, keep reminding yourself that you have a goal and, and work hard for it. Um, and hard work really does outbeat talent sometimes. And I've seen it and I've seen it with me. I've learned the hard way too. Um, even if you're talented and you're, and you feel like you were born with this talent and nobody can beat you, people will beat you, even if they weren't born with the same amount of talent as you. They will. Um, So you always have to stay hungry, put in that extra effort to make sure that you're always on top of your game. When I say your game, your game, because you, like, be aware of your competition, but but never always compete with them. Just just do you. (laughs) Always make sure that you know that you belong there and continue to develop that confidence and things will come to you because you'll you'll rise to the top naturally if you like have that if you have it in you and you have that passion and you have that love because people around you will will see that and the frequencies will go off and be like oh this person is fun to be around this person is talented this person works hard and they love what they do and it just you just attract a lot of great things that way very well said yeah Dave, anything you want to wrap up with here? That was great. Thank so you. how can people find you? They can find me here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hollywood Guitar. I'm just kidding. Um, Tina Aldana on social media. You could go to Tina Aldana on Instagram. That's T-I-N-A-A-L-D-A-N-A. Uh, my website is TinaAldanaMusic.com. And be on the lookout for my single coming out the, at the end of the year. I will be sure to promote it on the show here as well when it, when it does come out. Thank you. Uh, this has been great. I think uh, everybody is going to get a lot of value out of it. So we appreciate you being here. Thank you for having and me. Our pleasure. Uh, and then if you're out there and you're walking your journey, you keep walking. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Musician Mindset Podcast with Dave Johnstone and Jason Land. You can contact the show through Facebook and Instagram at Musician Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave a written review and a five-star rating on iTunes.